Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today. I'm your host, Dr. Graham Taylor. I want to welcome you to today's podcast. I'm really excited to talk with our guest on today's show. He's a counseling psychologist with experience as the past president at the Association of Black Psychologists, a director of HIV programs, a behavioral health clinic, and chief of field investigations and program evaluations for the United States Army Public Health Center. His name is Dr. Donnell Barnett. He received his doctorate from Oklahoma State University and was at Harvard University's Strategic Management Program. He is also the recipient of the U.S. Army's Bronze Star and Meritorious Service Medal. His expertise and interests include trauma, the role of faith and wellness, and programs to improve the health and well-being of communities left out of economic and social growth. We're excited to have Donnell with us today to discuss the Association of Black Psychologists, ABSI, and mental health in the Black community. Donnell, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. I appreciate really you. nice to have you. Thank you. Well, hey, you know, I know that the uh, ABCI was founded back in 1968 by a number of Black psychologists from around the country. Donna, what were they looking to address by building this institution? Thank you for the question. And one small clarification I'll say is that many of our founders were students at the time. They had not ascended to the ranks of having completed their degree and becoming licensed and into the professional realm. And so that's a really important part of our story of the solidarity between the professionals and early career professionals and students. They were essentially really critical of APA's approach, both as a profession in terms of how they handled or what kind of resources they provided for aspiring Black psychologists and Black psychologists who were already in the field, be it in faculty or in clinical roles or research roles or or what have you. So they were concerned about sort of the professional aspects of being a psychologist and also concerned with the discourse around psychology Mm. and how it approached the needs for Black folks, certainly in America, And later on, you know, in Africa and throughout the diaspora. So those were sort of the two driving forces. And after a number of years of advocating at APA conferences and with APA leadership and so forth, they essentially decided that, you know, to put it colloquially, barking up the wrong tree and and that the the true path was to have our own organization that's designed by us, that was grown by us, that sort of emphasizes the kinds of things that we think are important. And hence, ABCI, the Association of Black Psychologists, was born. That's really good. I, you know, I love our field in that it tends to welcome in students at earlier levels. They don't have to, you know, like you said, attain the level and the rank of before you can have a voice. I love the fact that more times than not, our student voices really get welcomed and listened to and, and, mm-hmm. and more times than not acted on, mm-hmm. you know, when they're in line with what we're looking to do. And describe for us the ways that you've seen Western psychology, expanding a little upon what you just said, ways that Western psychology uh, was harming people of African descent. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's important to think of really sort of different vectors here. 
society as a whole, especially the recent conversation around equity, really sort of emphasizes this idea that most of what we experience in America has been devised from a European Western perspective. And that cuts across the banking systems, the educational systems, the healthcare systems, and so forth. And so that critique uh, was a part of the earlier conversation, even back in the mid to late 60s, was that psychology as a profession was so Western or so European-centric that it it either minimized the concerns, the needs, and the contributions of yeah. folks of different cultural backgrounds or was actively harmful. And in the case of, of Black folks, we know that psychology as a profession has aligned itself in a number of political thrusts throughout yes. our history. When you think about IQ testing and who's deemed intelligent or normal or abnormal, right. when we think about what the kinds of attributes that constitute leadership, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Western thought says that you need to be aggressive and you need right. to be braggadocious and you need yeah. to have, you're right. You know, those are kinds of things. And even that, individualistic, you know. And individualistic. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Those are values that right. Western culture sort of look up to and aspire even, even today. Yes. That has implications for who gets to be a leader, who gets to lead a faculty department, who gets to lead a hospital, who gets to lead a research department, right? You know, that sort of thing is, you know, just one of the ways that it has created division amongst people of different racial backgrounds. But right. that's not unique to psychology. That is, right. that psychology just sort of manifests the same sort of thrust that we see in other areas. And so that was a part of the critique was to simply say that APA as an organization and the broader profession of psychology was so Western, was yes. so European centric that it uh, came, approached things from that worldview that it either minimized the issues and contributions of others or it caused active harm. And, you know, a number of the professionals during that time, you know, they were the ones who were trying to ascend the ranks in right. their faculty departments and at their hospitals and clinics and what have you, and couldn't get to those higher levels because of these other kinds of dynamics that we're talking about here. So that's one aspect of how that worldview causes real life active harm for folks, minimizes your ability to your career which leads to self-sufficiency and how you provide right. for yourself, right? right? You know, all of that, you know, what we would call emotional intelligence and That's business right. leader, you know, all that kind of stuff is really centers a European frame. Not to mention folks who are seeking behavioral health care That's and right. need uh, some sort of care, right? You know, when uh, a, a Black child comes to a school psychologist, as an example, or, you know, gets referred for a behavior problem, and then they're relegated to uh, special learning classes or, you know, deemed as not able to be educated or a behavioral problem or what have you. That sends folks down a path that leads to many, many, many harmful sort of aspects. 
psychology as a profession is very intimately involved in who gets a second chance, who gets resources and support, and who gets thrown away. You know, psychology is, is, has that's a lot right. of equity in that game. That's right. And so, that's right. you know, that's, a, that's a one of the clear examples of how it has con actively contributed harm to folks both in the professional ranks and in the application of psychology. Yeah, that is really clear. I, I really appreciate that piece. I think, you know, whether it's those looking to ascend professionally or whether you're talking about deficit-oriented research, you know, and the misdiagnoses that come out of this, you know, the, the, the testing biases that come out of this, even down Absolutely. to the point of, you know, the, the type of format that you'd recommend for therapy. You know, you're going to be doing family therapy, you're going to be doing individual therapy. And that's all determination. When, and if you're ignorant in these areas... And it has that kind of bias towards that. That really limits and impedes, whether it's the, like you said, the professional ascension or people getting the help that they need in very necessary ways. Talk about the stigmas then that mental health has oftentimes from the lens of the black community because of these earlier and even current at times inequities that take place. What are the stigmas? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's so interesting. the The things that we think about as stigmas more broadly really need a whole different redefinition when we're talking about minoritized communities. Yeah. So, you know, if if you're talking about a group of people who did not have health care, right? And 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 this is for anyone, you know, regardless of racial background, right? We know that health care and accessing health care is a learned behavior. If you grew right. up going to the doctor and all of that kind of thing, you kind of get practice with that. It's right. a little more familiar. It's a little more yeah. comfortable. So when you become an adult, right. you're more likely to go and access care, get your checkups, go to the dentist, right. you know, those sorts of things. If you've been shut out of the healthcare access game, then of course you won't have practice sort of going to traditional medicine, traditional care. You develop other ways of seeking care, whether it is with a pastor or whether it's yes. at a barbershop or beauty shop or whether it's on a sports team or a coach or in a favorite aunt or a cousin or, you know, family in community, we would call it stigma. And we would say that Black folks don't get care because they're not accessing care the way folks who, who historically have had health care access care. Yeah, can and, you expand I, upon that piece just a little bit? Because you're talking about also too, and I, and I mentioned this in the intro, that you know your interests and expertise around trauma, but also the role of faith and wellness. You're talking about the church being a part of it. You're talking about even local communities down at the barbershop. It, just expand that a little bit for me, because there's a real richness in that and some real help that gets attained from the involvement in those areas. Yeah, so you know, it's it's on a on a philosophical level. Yeah. Uh, people of African descent and really many cultures around the world, you know, those of us who are my age and older grew up when we used to talk about individualistic versus collectivistic. Right. Well, that still has some relevance today when we think about cultures that are much more community oriented, that are community focused. We, we embrace this concept called Ubuntu, which says yes. that I am because you are and you, you are because I am. It is this notion that we are inextricably connected to one another, to our world, to our environment, yeah. to all that is around us. Yeah. Now, if that is your, your philosophical base, 
it doesn't serve you well to go and sit in a one-on-one individual exactly. counseling, right? You know, it's it's discordant in a lot of ways with Absolutely. how you naturally function. Yeah, That's from a philosophical standpoint. So to get to this point around churches and barbershops and sports teams and so right. forth, those are the manifestations of community. It is the manifestation of this sense of being part of something bigger than yourself, of a larger organism. I am just one cog in a bigger yeah. wheel. And so it is. it feels very natural. It feels very comfortable mm -hmm. to get my help from these kinds of places that feel more like home to me. It doesn't feel like home to sit in an office with a person who's got degrees on the wall or whatever the case may be. And I don't dismiss that. I write, you know, I'm not here to say that there's no place for that. There's absolutely a role for that mode. Mm -hmm. But when the profession says that this is the way you yeah. must access care, and if you don't access care, then there is something wrong with you because you don't go this route. That's the kind of problems that we're talking about. And then it gets overgeneralized as a stigma. They're saying yeah. that Black folks don't come to care because right. this, the, you know, stigma is rampant in the community. Well, it is also true that the profession has not organized itself in a way that Black folks would feel comfortable, let alone <laughs> the long history of uh, abuses that have occurred when they did, you know, That's find right. themselves at some That's social right. worker's office, some caseworker, yeah. some psychologist, some physician. Not to dismiss that very, very long history of places that have caused harm, and that's in folks' mind. And so yes. it's 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 disingenuous to just say that there is stigma in the black community and not tell the whole story of one why the stigma might be there that's rightfully placed of suspicion, and also to acknowledge the fact that the way we have organized healthcare oftentimes doesn't feel very natural, very comfortable. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Are you preparing for a licensure exam in psychology, social work, marriage and family therapy, counseling, or behavioral analysis? AATBS is here to help. We have been supporting behavioral mental health students to prepare for their licensure exams for more than 45 years. Working with over 1 million students to succeed on test day and move on to the next step in their career. With products ranging from comprehensive courses to quiz banks and delivered live online, self-study online, and in print, AATBS has test prep solutions that meet every student's needs and learning styles. Visit us today at aatbs.com. That's aatbs.com. And use promo code BHT15 to save 15% off your next purchase. You know, I, I so appreciate you kind of buffing that out a little bit for us. I've been in Hawaii where I live for about, just about 40 years next year. And we have a, a way of being here that's very similar to the black community where it's about family, it's about relationships, it's about healing places where storytelling takes place. We even, we even talk about it being talk story, you know, where you get to really share things at a very deep level and there's healing in that mm -hmm. process. Absolutely. And 
And so there's real consideration oftentimes when you're looking at community situations that come up, whether it's looking to in, in, improve healthcare. I was part of working on a diabetic team and I was asked to come over to Kauai to talk about increasing the health over there. And, you know, you don't go in and just say, well, here's what we're going to be doing. Here's how we do it. You get the community leaders together and you get the ones that are the kapuna, you know, the ones that are respected and the ones that get to basically have a position of respect and honor. They get to understand the benefit of some things that are coming in and they get to have the greatest influence mm -hmm. of those looking to, you know, grow. And, and oftentimes, you know, when we do therapy here, oftentimes we're, we're thinking first and foremost, I mean, this is kind of a melting pot where I live, but we're oftentimes thinking about bringing the families in, like you're talking about and looking at a family systems approach where the Ubuntu is really it. I am because we are and vice versa. It's a beautiful, beautiful way to practice. And it's a lovely way I found to really think of ourselves, like you mentioned, in a larger context, that's both freeing and securing, and it it, it makes you responsible in some ways, you Absolutely. know, to be your best self. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because in the community is more than just healing. It is patterns for reality. Yeah. It's it's truth. It's 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 models. It's ways of being. Ways of yeah. knowing ways of understanding. And so healing, which is another really important part of this conversation, the deficit-oriented approach of Western medicine that simply yeah. says, "That's right. you know, you're, you're done after we have remedied your symptoms. Right. You know, that, that sort of model isn't really what we're talking about here. We're talking about completeness. We're talking about wholeness. And so healing isn't the absence of symptoms. It is the ability to thrive and to have a pattern for life and to see that modeled in the real world. When you get those intimate connections in community with people, yes. you know, that's just another dynamic when we sort of talk about Western approaches and Western views and how that is different. To be, you know, really clear, that Western perspective is really the minority. You know, from a global standpoint, that is the minority, but it, you know, has positioned in such a way to say that everyone else is a minority. I think that's a great reminder. You know, I think our systems, as you mentioned, psychologically, we, we tend to have kind of a deficit oriented approach. There's a problem here and, you know, you're only as good as that problem. Or when we look at our healthcare, we don't have a healthcare system. We have a sick care system. Correct. We have a reactionary system and we usually are at the, you know, secondary or tertiary levels a prevention and you're trying to treat things versus what you're describing, that if we can pan out just for a moment and appreciate the facets of, you know, a community of, of a group, and we can look at it more of a strengths-based mm -hmm. or Absolutely. a health-related base and find what those are and really encourage those pieces, treat the areas that are challenged and, you know, being struggled. But when we look at that healthcare, you know, as, as, as how do we induce greater health or how do we look at our strengths? Boy, we can really rise above some new water levels, can't we? Yeah, absolutely. 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 Yeah. And so that has been a part of ABC's story. It is to yeah. really go back to our cultural origins. And so we, yeah. we think about it as African-centered psychology, yeah. which is to say that our cultural lineage had ways of being, ways of moving about the world, ways of understanding health and wealth and wholeness that has been hidden from us through uh, most of history. 
And so ABCI has taken it on as a part of our mission to go back and understand that more fully and think about how does that translate to modern day challenges, modern day things that we're trying to accomplish that folks are struggling with, that they're dealing with, that they want to improve on. And to bring that wisdom into the fore, bring it to the fore so that uh, folks will have it available in very real and practical ways. I'd like to highlight that just a bit if I could, Donnell, with you. You know, I know that ABC's mission and destiny is really focused around some really key words. I love it in your your statement. It's about the liberation of the African mind. Yes. It's about empowerment of the African character. It's about Mm -hmm. enlivenment. Again, I love that word. And illumination of the African spirit. With, with ABC's work over the years, what have been some areas and examples where you've seen these mission goals being realized and impactful on Black mental health in the community? Yeah, so we, we've had a few different uh, movements over these 50 plus years. You know, sort of the first area was really as an organization, we needed to make some decisions about how we were going to move as an organization. And so the very explicit African-centered approach isn't just about the therapy or the psychology. It's about us, those who are practitioners. You know, most of us are trained in the way everyone else is trained, right? You know, take the EPPP and get licensed and you have to master all of that stuff to go through the hoops. But that also means that we have to go back and sort of understand, well, how have we been miseducated in this process as well, so that we don't go into the therapy context and pass along that same kind of misjudgment. So a lot of the earlier days of ABCI really had to do with helping us to organize around those ideas ourselves. That meant going back and doing a lot of the foundational research, not just in psychology, but in history, in archaeology, in in religion and philosophy and other disciplines who were also coming along this same path of recognizing that those of us who live in America have been educated and oriented in a certain way. We need to go back and understand, well, what was life like before 1619? What was life like well before slavery or enslavement? And really sort of understand that contextual piece. So a lot of that earlier work was just around doing that research, doing that digging. Now, as time went on, that then allowed us to start to develop some models about training, models about therapy, models about healing. And, you know, there are you know a few different models that have come out of that work and come out of that discipline that some community-based mental health centers are using even today. Yeah. And then finally, it is, you know, recognizing that we also need to operate on a strategic level as well, which is to say that we need to partner with like-minded organizations that also see liberation and enlivenment and illumination and the strengthening of our people and our culture that also see that as important, whether that is from an accountant perspective or a lawyer's or you know, whatever the organization is, you know, being aligned and adding your gifts and contributions so that we all think about this in a in a collective way. So more recently, a lot of our work has centered around that. 
is having national programs. It is thinking about who our partners are, how we can have that collective impact, because we recognize that psychology as a profession is only one piece to the puzzle. Yeah, that's so good. You know, as you're talking about these models for training and for healing, I, I'd, I'd like you to kind of mind down with us a little bit, if you would. What are some of the unique skills and attitudes of Black psychologists in this mental health field that we're in? Maybe they're superpowers, which contribute to psychology in unique ways, special ways that we may not know or fully appreciate. Yeah. So we think about the principles of ma'at, ma'at as being a way of thinking, principles, guidelines for life that comes out of the uh, Kemetic region of Northern Africa. You would consider that to be about Ethiopia, Egypt in that, in that area. In those principles, it says that we ought to seek balance in all mm. that we do. It is about truth. It's about order. It's about justice. These are some of the principles that, that we think about. And by centering those principles, we can then say in a therapeutic context yeah. that your dis-ease, your disease, your problem has a lot to do with chasing values that are not akin to a healthy and whole life. If you're chasing sort of capitalistic ends or means, and that's got you all discombobulated because yeah. you're trying to you know, master all of these things and rob Peter and pay Paul, that leads to a sense of competitiveness that shows up in your work relationships, in your close connections, your spouse, you know, and so on and so forth. It's got you all stressed out and diabetes and, you know, all these other kinds of things that flows from a value system that is not aligned, not only with just you, but is not aligned with the very origins of humanity itself. Yeah. Right. Because these principles are older than Socratic ways of being. The Roman Greco era is much younger than the ancient ways of being and the ancient ways of knowing. And so to say that if we all could step back and think about what balance means in our lives. So some of our therapeutic models sort of center those principles and center that work. We also address the, the misorientation, the cultural misorientation of trying to live a dual life, of yes. being trying to be true to our cultural selves, but also putting on the mask so that we can go out into the world. And our inability to do both of those things also contributes to a lot of disease and concern. And modern psychology has acknowledged some of the aspects of that when we think about things like stereotype threat, when we think about things like a number of the other models from Steele's work and from we think about racial trauma, when we're thinking, you know, there, there's been several thrusts in modern psychology that kind of scratch the surface of this issue of misorientation, which, you know, even W.B. Du Bois, you know, sort of called out this idea a long time ago of saying that, you know, us trying to navigate the color line, as he put right. it. Is it's a fool's errand, and so, yeah. so, so some of the therapeutic approaches recognize those elements and try to get people to a place of optimal health, which is essentially to have a sense of balance 
and to live as authentically as you can. I appreciate that. You know, this idea of optimal health, this idea of balancing and centering, focusing on, you know, the truth, order, justice. What what better focus could we have, you know, if, if we come at it like that? I went through a a training here in Hawaii that has a, a strong Hawaiian influence, Ho'oponopono. And it it surprised me because I thought we were going to be talking about getting together in kind of a collective group and going around a circle like we might do and talking in that manner. But really the first step was really to get right with oneself, mm-hmm. almost as though like, you know, like in, a, in any, like, let's say couples therapy, there's always two eyes and a we, you know, so Rather, when you're struggling up here at the we, you got to go back down to the I and say, hey, what am I bringing to this that's contributing to the you know challenges up top? And it, it was the same thing here. I, am I centered right now? I, am I balanced? Is am, am, am I in an optimal place with some of these things? And if I'm not, I, I, I need to be responsible for that part. I'm a larger part of a larger community that's contributing something here in a very meaningful and maybe challenging way. And if I can do that. So I, I love this emphasis around that, Donnell. Yeah. And and we don't want to turn that into a Western perspective, which which is to say that there's something wrong with you and you need to get right, you know, and then come back. It is to say that you do that in community with other people. And so you may see something that looks like a healing circle. You may see something that looks like what some people might, you know, refer to as group therapy or group processes, but bigger than, you know, sort of the way group therapy works, it is recognizing that just being present with people in a safe place, place that sort of people that sort of get you, that sort of understand you, being with your elders, those who have gone before you, that have seen the problems that you're you're going through and have developed patterns and ways of uh, navigating those things, right? You know, that kind of setting and context is is to say that we don't want you to go off by yourself and no. get fixed, but no, bring that to the circle and collectively we work on it. And at the same time, while you may be a student or, or, or a younger adult, yeah. you have value to add to our elders. You have value to add to those respected leaders and so forth, because it's all one continuous circle. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. In fact, it's not like, hey, go get right with yourself and come back when you're ready. It's not at all. That takes place within the context of the ideally the most safest system that you could be mm-hmm. in. Yeah, People that know, people a little bit older, people that can kind of get their arms around you and, and hold you in that struggle. Kind of ideal, like a, you know, like kind of like an ideal family where you get to grow and people understand and you get to be kind of your worst and most challenged self. But there's there's a there's a, there's a greater grace that's given and an understanding that is brought mm-hmm. and a holding that can take place so that that healing is not seen as well. I'm having to heal because you know there's something deficit in me. It's something maybe I'm going through or growing through, but no one leaves the circle. No right. one leaves the circle to go out and get it done. Right. So, Donnell, as you're talking uh, about these things and, and, and the growth that's taken place in, in the almost 50 years of, of its existence, what is the future that you're seeing for ABSI and what's it looking like? Yeah, so we are, we're really thinking a lot about how we have greater impact with budding psychologists. It is still true that many Black psychologists don't know that we exist. That has a lot to do with who sets training standards, 
that has a lot to do with the faculty who encourage their students to go to this convention versus that convention or read these resources and not those resources. So we're thinking a lot about how we have that kind of outreach with psychologists who are in the pipeline. We're thinking a lot about how we grow the pipeline because we know that the, you know, what's being called the mental health crisis across the country and the world, quite frankly, it will necessarily need more people who come from cultural frames and have cultural sort of understandings or mm. sensibilities about the folks that are coming and looking for help. And so the you know one way of doing that is to make sure that there are enough of us out there in the world doing the work and establish a level of availability for people who might be coming into community mental health centers and VA clinics and hospitals and so forth looking for that kind of support. So nice. we're thinking a lot about that as a part of our uh, growth and strategy over the next few years. We're thinking a lot about how we are connected with communities, like-minded communities around the world. There are psychological societies in Africa, in you know different countries in Africa, right. and making sure that we're connected with those folks who you know also have done research and uncovered things and have learnings to share with us. So, you know, we, because we are ABCI and we are, you know, essentially in America, we don't want to, you know, replicate the, that Western uh -huh. model by saying that, you know, we are the knowers of things and we've come into your country to tell you about things. Yeah. So, right. You know, there, there are things that we need to learn from our like-minded societies in the UK and in Africa, places in Africa and other parts of the world. Yeah. So uh, we do a lot of work around uh, that international work to reach out through scholarship, through our journal, through our publications, and really just kind of building connections wherever we can, whether it's just for research purposes or for learning purposes or for advocacy purposes. So broadly speaking, those are you know some of the big areas that we're focused on moving forward. I, of course, as you introduced, am a past president. Yes. So our, our current president, Dr. Sharon Bethea, is uh, leading the charge. Really good. I was going to ask you, during your tenure in that position, what was your proudest accomplishment? Oh, wow. So it, I am uh, one of two presidents who served during the uh, COVID time. And so my term started on the back half. And so uh, a lot of what I needed to do was to bring us out of that period successfully. And so over the course of time, we continued our growth in terms of members. We provided a number of programs for our members, benefits for our members to include a new licensing test benefit in our partnership with Triad to do EPPP, which is one of the major barriers for folks who are trying to ascend the ranks. So it's it's interesting. A lot of the things that we're focused on now is still the same stuff that they were focusing on in 1967 exactly. and 1968. Exactly. You know, it is professional stuff and it is the on the ground psychology stuff. Some of the other things that we were able to do was to solidify our national programs as a way to communicate to the broader world that if you want to engage with ABCI, here are the ways that we do that through our programs. 
and really provide, you know, set up some infrastructure around that. So we were able to accomplish that. You know, we launched a directory. So folks who are looking for a Black psychologist either to do therapy or to be a consultant or to be a researcher, like whatever it is that you do, we have made that directory available so folks can reach our members and give them that lift. You know, that's a part of our responsibility as an association is to make sure that we are advocating for and providing as much support for our members as possible because we want to be good stewards of their time, their talent, yeah. and their treasure. Really great. Well, those are some, those are some significant things there, Donnell. You know, we're kind of winding down for today, but I'd love it if you could give us kind of a takeaway message for future members of ABCI and some hope you might have for them and also for the rest of us, just an understanding the aspects of Black mental health. Give us a takeaway message, would you? Yeah, so you you ask for different things. <laughs> I'll say for future members, the message is come yeah. on home. There you come go. on home to ABCI. You don't have to struggle in your departments where oftentimes faculty may not get you. They may not get your research. They may not get your research interest. Well, we get it. We understand yeah. it and we want to support it. We have scholars that have gone before you that have done work, foundational work that will help you. We have lots of services and supports for you. So come on home to ABCI. In terms of broader mental health, it is really continuing to have hope, continue to have hope, and you will find hope and healing in your community connections and allow, allow your community to be medicine for you. And by doing so, a couple of things might happen. One, you'll find some solutions to your challenges. Or two, you'll find some folks who will love you enough to point you in a direction where you can get the level of support that you need while also providing a safety net of love and support for you while you are doing that. But always start with your community, start with your connections. And you'll find a lot of blessing, a lot of grace, a lot of love there. That's a great encouragement. I appreciate that. You know, I'd love our listeners, Donnell, to be able to learn more about you, about ABCI, and also the uh, Black Mental Health Workforce Survey that you have available. How can folks follow up after our show? Yeah, if you go to www.abpsi.org, that is our main website. From there, you'll find links for our national programs. You will find links to our big work around the uh, Black Mental Health Workforce Survey Report. And I, I forgot to mention that that was one of the other things we did during my time was really to take a look at this issue of what Black mental health professionals are going through. Uh, we did that in partnership with the National Association of Black Social Workers and Black Psychiatrists of America working together to say, you know, looking at whether you are an LPC or a social worker or a psychologist, psychiatrist, what have you, understanding what's going on, what kind of challenges are you facing, and allowing us an opportunity to communicate out what those concerns are. So you'll find that report on the ABCI website, and we will be updating the website with more research as we go along. And just, you know, we have a resource page. We have, a yeah. you know, a number of other things that you sh you can check out on there to include, you know, places where you might learn 
you know, take advantage of some of our webinars yep. or meetings and that sort of thing yeah. where, you know, folks can kind of get access to some of this information as well. Yeah, it's a great site. I appreciate that. And we'll put that on our on our resource page for folks to follow up as well. Well, Donnell, it's been great to meet with you today. I sure appreciate all you've shared about ABCI, about yourself, and all that uh, you're contributing in the ways that you are. I look forward to seeing maybe you at APA one time. Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate en- it. I would enjoy that. All right. Also want to thank you, our listeners, for dropping by and joining Donnell and me today. It's always great to have you with us. Regarding our episode today, I want to remind you that it and its resources and all of our other episodes can be found on our webpage at tryathq.com slash BHT. Thanks again for being with us on the show. I look forward to having you with us next time on Behavioral Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community. And if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.